guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to a new episode of the Fangirl Freaks Out podcast. It's your host, Alyssa, and if the sound quality is different, it is because I'm trying something new this time around. Um, Well, it's only for this episode because I am currently out of town. I'm visiting my hometown, visiting family right now, um, as it's the 4th of July weekend, and so... I don't have access to my usual equipment, so I'm trying to see uh, how this works, like would work using my phone. So that's what we have for right now. Um, But yeah, so uh, this week, I think this is episode nine, but this week, uh, um, because of recent um, development with uh having read the latest the latest chapter of the My Hero Academia manga um i started to think because this latest chapter had me in tears um which the manga has been for a while anyway but um i was starting to think about all the times that My Hero Academia has made me cry so i figured what better <laughs> thing at first too, the funny thing about it is like what if I talked about all the times my hero academia has made me cry as a joke um but then I started to actually like think about how many times it's made me cry and uh I had to write a list and it's currently at 15 but as I record this I'll probably think of more times I've cried uh to this series so uh, yeah, that's going to be this week's episode. The uh, times that I have cried at My Hero Academia, um, or because of My Hero Academia, or whatever, however I end up titling this video, or video, episode. Um, but yeah, so, uh, fair warning, there will be manga spoilers, and probably spoilers, uh from like season four if you haven't watched season four um but other than that yeah so there are gonna be probably there's gonna be major manga spoilers oh also of the like main manga and then uh there will be spoilers for vigilantes as well um but yeah so um the first time the first time that My Hero Academia has made me cry was uh the story of Aerie. Aerie's story just in general is like very sad if you really think about it. And um just just first of all, seeing Aerie in general was like, Oh my god, this precious child but then like when like she runs into Deku and Mirio and you see like the look on her face, especially like how whole like tight she's holding on to Deku and then like when she notices overhaul start pulling at his glove and she like like that look of fear on her face and just the fact that she has to react quickly and she knows what that means and just I don't like just seeing like kids in that sort of environment and situation where they are so young but they're like, already having to think maturely about things, if that's making any sense, but, I mean, no, because I relate to that on some level, um, but, yeah, no, just, just her story, like, in general, like, Aerie is a precious being that must be protected at all times, and she deserves the world, uh, speaking of Aerie, the (laughs) second time that My Hero Academia has made me cry, um, well, okay, most of this probably won't be in, in like, chronological order of the series, but, um, the second time Aerie, or the second time My Hero Academia has made me cry is when we saw Aerie smile, um, during, this probably will be an emotional podcast episode as well, but, uh, the second time, uh, I cried was when we saw Aerie smile at the, the, the cultural festival, I think that's what it's called in the, the school festival, um, but yeah, like, just seeing her smile for the first time, and like, because she didn't, I'm trying not to get too emotional, but like, she didn't know how to smile beforehand, and just to see like the smile, 
just to see her smile and smile so brightly out of pure just happiness and joy and that's probably like her first time like ever just well it is her first time we know that like her first time like ever experiencing something like that and i'm like she's a child who's like seven i think at this point she should have already had something like uh, don't get me started on Aerie because Aerie just i love her um and i would protect her with my life um but yeah so um uh, i know that was like so so like a heartwarming moment um these next four um are gonna kind of be a little bit darker and talk about character death so <laughs> beware of that if that's something that uh, is touchy for you but uh the next time or this i think this was the um this would have been the second time like for real that my hero has made me like actually sob um it, like if we're going chronological order but like number three i'm well this is actually number one on my list but like the third thing i'm going to talk about is um sir night eye's death i'm like i didn't really even care for sir night eye as a character but like seeing him i don't know there was something about that moment like his final moments where it just it was hard like i don't know it pulled at the heartstrings and i i I got emotional. Like, I cried. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, there was just something about that moment. And, like, seeing Muriel, I think, break down was what really got me. Because, like, he really, truly, like, admired Sir Nyadai and, like, looked up to him. And, like, to see his mentor die, that hurt. That <laughs> that hurt a lot uh, to see and like I really felt for him and so like I I cried like I cried as if I knew this man in real life and I had just lost him um so yeah but to me too like this is that's just the type of person I am is like I get emotionally <laughs> I get attached to characters very easily whether I really like them or not um I get attached so like I like I the way I feel about characters is, like, I know them personally, even if they're fictional characters. So, uh, yeah, like, the whole Sir Night I thing, like, really hurt <laughs> for some reason in the moment. Um, well, it's a death, so, like, of course it hurts. But, yeah, so, next on the list, um, and this is where we really get into manga spoiler, like, big spoiler territory. So, if this is, like something that you really truly like care about not like not wanting to be spoiled about uh please click away um i will give a three second countdown before i start talking again about it but yes major manga spoilers ahead um so three two one okay so <laughs> the next time that my hero has made me cry was um when twice died and and it the way it was set up too is like it made you really like understand and feel for the guy and twice which if you listen to my episode where i talked about like my top five uh like favorite characters in each of the four categories that i created uh, twice is my favorite villain because of the just the way he's like set up he's like he's not really a bad guy he's just he just wanted a place where he felt like he belonged you know and and the villain the league of villains became like a family to him and stuff and so like even if like uh if in the war arc if you because that's when he dies um like you see in that moment like hawks even sees that like he's not a bad guy and that he has a genuine heart to him and so like he tries to redeem him but like just the fact that like twice was willing to die rather than like you know go against his the his family that he's created his like chosen family and it's just i don't know that that moment to me was just so emotional and the fact that like um and i know a lot of people like hated on hawks too for that moment and it's like 
I I get it. Like I didn't even really consider like the fact that like Hawks as a hero was killing a villain like in the moment. Like I didn't even I was more so focused on the fact that Twice was dying and the fact that like his clone returned. Oh my god, don't even get me started on that part. Like the, the oh. <laughs> it, it kills me cuz at first I didn't even realize that was a clone, but like the fact that he used the clone to make sure that Toga got her hmm her handkerchief back before his final like that was his last final breath like he wish was to return it to her and thank her and like i feel for toga when she like breaks a little bit after that like i get it i i didn't like they were they were close you know they're like brother and sister if you really think about it like the league of villains is a family of their own and so yeah i don't seeing twice die like that really that got me that got me i'm not even gonna lie to you it got me um and speaking of deaths during the war arc um midnight when (laughs) it still hurts to talk about midnight's such an underrated character i love her but like no because this that this is gonna be me a majority of this episode it's just me like making sounds <laughs> of me trying not to get emotional and thinking about things but <sighs> midnight 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 midnight's death especially too when it was like at first it was like unknown but then we see the students like cr- like sobbing and looking at like holding her mask because like in her final moments, I didn't even realize, like, that was her final moments, you know? Like, I didn't realize she was dead until, like, the one chapter, I forget what chapter it was, where they, like, talk about the fallen heroes during the war, and Midnight's picture was there, and I was like, no, not Midnight, not Midnight! And then, what hurts even more about it is the fact that that's, like, because, okay, so I'm, like, I absolutely love and adore uh aizawa and um yamada who is president like if you don't know like him by his name but like i adore their friendship especially because they're like friends from high school and they are they were they're friends with midnight as well like from high school and i'm like that's the second friend they've lost which i kind of that's another spoiler and a great segue into um the next one the next character death um this might be my last character death one yeah uh obero the story of obero and like his death and like the fact that they were just second years in high school like that's that's what 16 17 age range like (laughs) It hurts. And, like, that whole story of just Obero, like, he dying in on the the field, working and stuff. And, like, the Rooftop Boys, I plan to talk about them in, uh, in general uh, in a future episode. But, like, just the Rooftop Boys in general and, like, them losing a friend and, like, one of their best friends. And, like, I don't know. Obero... I just, I, oh, my bad. I just, like, knocked my own mic out of my hand. But I don't even, like, have, um, like, I didn't read that far into Vigilantes. I kind of, like, looked into it myself because I was curious. Like, I kind of figured, or no, because I read the manga and, like, they talk about, like, Obero, uh, because, spoilers, Kirigiri is a Nomu with obero's body being the core um and i was so i was already knew he died but like i was like how did he die and looked into it uh because at the time i was very busy with school so i didn't have the time to read it that far into vigilantes but i do plan to read vigilantes i've read a few chapters um but yeah so anyway that's besides the point got a little sidetracked there but uh no so I read into it, and when I was reading it, um, I legit sobbed. I cried because it's like he, one, was protecting children. Like, 
when he died and <laughs> the fact that like Aizawa thought he was like okay the entire time he's like he's gonna be okay like Obro's okay like and then to oh, this is this is a separate thing on the list but it ties into Obro's death but like the second <laughs> like I cried over the fact that Obro died but then by the time I stopped crying I continued to read about how Aizawa like was fighting the villain afterwards and he kept hearing Obero like Obero cheering him on and then like afterwards he's like yeah like that's why he thinks Obero's okay is because he keeps hearing Obero's voice which it's Obero from beyond um and he then then like his realization afterward that Obero is not okay and not alive um that 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 broke me and the fact who wait hold on and the fact that like his goggles like his iconic yellow goggles or like the gog they were originally Oberos goggles that he let him use and he still uses hmm (laughs) I'm just and then what killed me was like after that's that was a horrible uh <laughs> use of the word uh especially after talking about deaths but no what what's funny to me or like what like was ironic and like hurt me more but like at the same time like was like the <laughs> like laughing crying at the same time a uh, moment for me was like after learning that midnight had died um my first thought was like do you think obero is up where or like in the afterlife whatever you believe in um but uh like do you think him and midnight are chilling just joking around like old times because like it's known that obero like would flirt i think with midnight or like just you know just they that he was they were all like chill or friends with each other in high school so i'm like do you think now that they've been reunited that they're just chilling and like looking down on their friends and like acting as guardian you know what i'm making myself sad just thinking about this again (laughs) but it's just there's something about that you know i just i just i can't um i'm gonna stop talking about it now before i do get sad uh anyway on to the next thing i don't even know um oh okay so like to kind of go back to twice and like talking about like how he sees everybody as like a family and all that um and stuff and another moment that like made him one of my made him my favorite uh villain and um was when in that moment in the manga where um he overcomes his like psychological like trauma of like never knowing if he's the real one and uh and it's during like the fight between the league of villains and the liberation army um and like i don't know just that moment like watching or seeing reading whatever you want to like say like seeing that moment of him like just i lost my mic there for a second my bad um and because i'm on my phone i cannot edit this out like i would any other audio uh podcast but um no so seeing him like kind of just uh like have that moment where he overcame that like trauma of the past and whatnot and just become like a a stronger person within himself and like really being out there to like help especially to like the fact that it was in the moment of like seeing toga again this like goes back to the idea of like how he sees them as family and like just seeing toga hurt and to the, and like him trying to fight his best to protect her and get her to safety and whatnot and 
Um, and yeah, and just, I don't know. There was like something about just seeing him overcome that and having that moment of clarity that like kind of brought me to tears. Not going to lie. I'm like, I'm, it's been a while since I've read it, but I do remember like just being emotional reading that and witnessing that moment and it's it was like a turning point for him and it because like i said earlier twice is like not he's not a bad guy other than the fact that like he's like helped kill people and stuff like that like obviously and um not me over here being a villain sympathizer but I empathize with people so easily and like characters and stuff and like i said i get attached to characters very easily but, like, it's, hmm. like, I don't know, just see, just witnessing that and, like, seeing twice and, like, understanding him, too, from the perspective of, like, he felt like he didn't belong and people made him feel horrible for, like, his issues and stuff. And they were psychological issues, mental issues that he really like couldn't help and people like ostracized him for that and then he found this group of people who accepted him for who he was and how he was and he created this chosen family amongst them and it's just like I don't know and then seeing him overcome that that the struggle and still hello <laughs> there was a loud someone revving a motorcycle outside but anyway uh, enough distractions but yeah no so like i don't know just seeing him overcome that in that moment and like using the his renewed strength or whatever to like help out the his family it it was just a moment for me where i was like okay i very much um I very much like I don't know got I just got emotional okay <laughs> um I don't it's like I said it's been a minute um okay <laughs> since we're on the topic of the war arc uh because of that like quickly follows uh or, I mean I've already talked about it a little bit and like it quickly follows like the the battle between um the league and the liberation army english um the next the next a moment that made me really like tear up and cry and just get emotional again like i'm just an emotional person but like this moment really just um got to me and that was when uh Bakugo I think the chapter is like 285 um but when Bakugo like had because we all know Deku like in the beginning was like saved Bakugo from the sledge villain and said like his his body moved on its own like he it moved on his own accord um, without thinking too much about it and essentially this moment is like Bakugo returning the favor in a sense and in that like his body moves on its own without thinking and like saves Deku from being like impaled and possibly killed um, by Shigaraki I think in the moment um and I don't know, there was something about, like, that parallel and just that moment that I was like, oh my, like, because here's the thing, is, like, I wasn't a big Bakugo fan in the beginning, and then, obviously, like, during the joint training and all that, like, I started to see his character development and, like, his growth as, like, a character in general, and I, I mean, if you, again, if you saw my video where I ranked the my top characters like he's number three on my list and that's why like just seeing his growth and this is part of like the reason too where I saw him truly grow as a character especially in his relationship with Deku like his uh long time relationship with Deku excuse me um from like children to now uh and just how just how he's changed and yeah 
So that that was one moment. Speaking on uh, Bakugo saving Deku, I might as well talk about the the chapter that inspired this episode topic. Um, chapter what was it? Three eighteen. Yeah, three eighteen. Which at the time of recording this um, is the latest chapter that was released. Um, and we see. So if you don't know what's happening right now, and if you're still here, despite the manga spoilers, and you haven't read, um, what's happening right now is that Deku left UA and is trying to find the League on his own with, like, the help of some pro heroes who know, some know about, like, One for All and some don't, um, but... He left the heroes behind and is now trying to do his own thing. And and he's been fighting nonstop, covered in, like, dirt, mud, grime, his own blood, because he's been injured multiple times and he hasn't given himself time to heal. And he also, like, has control over all of the multiple quirks he has and uh, can also use one for all at 100% now. But he's, like... In this chapter, like, first of all, like, the fact that he's already gotten to a point where, like, people can't even tell he's a hero because he just, he doesn't look like it because he's so just torn down. And, and it hurts, too, because I'm like, he's always said that he wanted to be the hero with a smile that people can rely on and did it like, oh, he just wanted to be a hero with a smile. And his smile has since been gone since leaving UA. And and it just, that thought <laughs> hurts me. And then in this moment, he's, um, oh, this chapter, I still haven't like fully recovered from it. But and in a, this moment, he's attacked, like he meets a villain who has a quirk similar to Shinzo's um, where he can control people. And so, like, a horde of civilians are being controlled and sent to attack Deku. And, of course, Deku, being a hero, doesn't want to hurt any of them. And he's, like, he's trying to think of a strategy to where he could get them, like... Because, like, Shinzo's quirk, like, you can get out of the mind control if you uh, have some sort of force or whatever. But, like, Deku, with now having 100% control over One For All and being able to to use it at such a high thing he's like well i anything's gonna hurt them and i don't want to hurt them and so he's at his like he's hasn't slept hasn't eaten is at a point where he's about to just give up and and one the fact that like he still is just even in his lowest moment he's still thinking about other people and is just willing to be like self-sacrificing which i like (sighs) can be good and bad in a hero but like just seeing Deku like just so torn down hurt but then but then Bakugo comes in and he's his hero and he finds him and just I don't know there was something about that like seeing Bakugo come in and save him and just at his lowest when he was ready to give up and it brings me back to like um the during the final exam when they were working together against All Might and uh Bakugo was like had kept fighting with All Might in order to allow Deku to get past the gate so that they could pass and like Bakugo was like about or said that he was he would rather give up or whatever and all that and like like, it, I don't know, it just brings me parallels to that and the fact that, like, Deku ended up coming in and saving Bakugo so that they both can, like, leave together. Um, and this kind of is, like, a lot like that where Deku is at a point where he can't keep fighting and he's ready to give up. And Bakugo comes in and he's like... Well, we don't know what he's like because the next chapter isn't released and it won't be released until uh, next week. So, 
I don't know what he says, but he comes in and saves Deku, essentially, and he's just like, and he tells them, like, guys, I found him, and into a phone, so who knows who he's talking to, but, like, I don't know, and, oh, and then the fact that they're in Kamino, which is where Deku also saved, like, Deku, Kirishima, who else, Todoroki, Momo, and Ida all went to save Bakugo, when um he was kidnapped like the camino incident like it's that's where there are that is oh there's so much things like so many things about this chapter where it's just a lot and i like literally i cried for three straight hours after um after i uh read it <laughs> like cried so much so that um that I, like, ended up passing out for, like, I think 12 hours afterwards. Like, I drained myself so of so much energy crying from that chapter alone. There's just so much because it's just the build-up, too, to that moment as well. Um, but, yeah, so... Oh, kind of rewinding back because I'm looking at my list again. Um, rewinding back, though, to the war arc uh, because this is post-war arc. Um, that I was just talking about, but another moment that got me <laughs> in tears during the war arc was, um, Aizawa and just, like, how, like, if any, like, hearing anybody sit there and try to say, like, Aizawa doesn't care, uh, don't get me started, but, because <laughs> I could go on and on about, like, Aizawa as a character in general, like, he is my, he's probably, if honestly, if I were to rank all the characters together as a whole, Aizawa's gonna rank number one over everybody, like, that's my favorite character, and, yeah, no, if you're, like, you cannot say this man does not care about his students, because he does, so much so that, while his eyes are literally being dried out and he's like struggling to keep fighting during this war he's worried about his students he's thinking about his students making sure they're okay like hoping that they're okay and and he's like i i can't give up like I gotta see this through the end. Like, we gotta put bring this to an end. I still have so much to teach them. Like, I still need to see them grow uh, into the heroes that they want to be. And so much so, too, that when he's hit with a quirk-erasing bullet, he he does not hesitate to chop off his leg so that it does not affect him. You cannot tell me this man does not care about his students when he was so quick. Like, he he did it because he was thinking about them. He did not hesitate to say, bye, leg. Like, he, and I don't know, just that moment in general. And even when he was in the hospital after that, and Hisashi Yamada, not Hisashi Midoriya, but Hisashi Yamada, President Mike is sitting there. And trying to tell him, like, like about midnight. And he's like, I, I want to know about my students. How are my students doing? Like, that was his first worry in the hospital. Like, he's over here in a hospital bed. Probably done lost an eye. I don't know. Like, his eye was covered up in bandages. But probably done lost vision in one eye or lost an eye or something. Like, he, who knows? He hurt his eye. Uh, lost a leg. And some more, and he and and lost a friend, another friend from high school, and he doesn't even care. He's like, "How? Wh- how are my students? Please tell me they're okay." Like he does, he cares about this. That's not even the point of this podcast. I got, I did cry, but like, um, yeah, I probably have to do an Aizawa, like just me ranting about Aizawa and Aizawa love and appreciation podcast. I'll have to see if I can get a friend, a certain friend on for that. I don't know. I don't want to pressure them into, well, it's not pressuring them, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, so Aizawa cutting his leg off though. And like, just thinking about the kids the entire time. Um, speaking about the war, 
the fact, and speaking about the kids, is the fact that they're kids fighting in a war. I'm like, these are supposed to be heroes in training. Like, they don't even have their actual heroes licenses. And if they don't get their heroes licenses after that, I'm fighting somebody. Like, I will jump into this story and fight whoever I need to fight. Because they deserve... You had kids, literal children, who are still in high school training to be heroes, acting as heroes in a war. <laughs> I have no words. Speechless. And, like, the just, I don't know, because I, I, I flip-flop between crying when thinking about it because i'm like they're kids they they should be worried about like does their crush love them back or or like them back or whatever or like oh my god i have this big exam coming up like i need to study for it like those are the things they should be worried about not if am i gonna live to see tomorrow Are, are my friends okay like did they survive like that's that's <laughs> okay i just went from being like angry to like emotional again about it but like that's what they should be worried about and like i don't know just the thought of that like hurts me like thinking about the fact that they are kids they're 15 16 years old and they're fighting in a war i mean granted yes i know like uh parallel to real life like people do go into in different countries too like it depends on like how the age or whatever that they draft people and like kids have fought in wars and regardless like of real life fake life uh, alternate realities whatever like i don't think kids should be fighting in wars that's period point blank like that's end of discussion type of thing for me like they kids should not be made to act as adults they should be allowed to act as kids. That I mean, and and when kids are forced to act as adults, it it breaks my heart thinking about it. Um, but yeah, so thinking about the fact that, um, <laughs> thinking about the fact. Sorry, I just like uh, saw a uh, text message from our group chat, but my family group chat. That's besides the point. Um. But yeah, no. Oh my God! Speaking of kids, <laughs> I have a soft spot for kids. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> but um, let's talk about Tomura Shigaraki's origin, or Tenko Shigura or Shimura. My bad, I completely butchered his name right there. Tenko, little Tenko, baby Tenko. I think I'm pronouncing his right name right, but <sighs> Nana Shimura's grandson, the little boy who wanted to be a hero and who grew up with a dad who just hated heroes because of the fact that his mom gave him away for his own protection and then he accidentally killed his entire family and when he really needed help, no one was there to help him. And, like, that hurts to see a child struggling so hard. And, of course, all for one just had to be the one to find him. But I'm telling you, like, ugh. I'm like, Shigaraki could have grown up to be a completely different person. His name wouldn't have been Shigaraki. We wouldn't be sitting here calling him Shiggy. Like, he would have still probably been Tenko Shimura. Um, had a hero found him, had somebody found him, the perfect person to have found, like, to have raised him or found him would have been Aizawa, but, like, no. Again, that's for another time. Um, but, yeah, no, like, just his origin story, and, like, he, him and, um, Izuku would have been great friends as kids had they known each other. I feel like they would have bonded over their love for heroes and wants to be a hero. And I'm just... And Shigaraki's quirk, like, if he had a grasp on it, a good grasp on it, trained to have a grasp on it, and not just allowed to create mass destruction, like, he could be a hero. And I love... uh 
like all AUs. I say all U's because my brain goes alternate, so all. But anyway, AU's of like Shiggy as a hero. Uh, because that's what he originally wanted to be. But like seeing this child, this broken child who just happened to fall into the hands of the wrong person just it hurts speaking <laughs> still on the topic of children uh we're getting to the end of my list uh these last two are like um have to do with backstories and stuff like that so the first backstory though I want to talk about is the Todoroki family because those that bunch we need a spinoff of the we need like a keeping up with the Todorokis like they have enough family drama to have a series ex- as successful as the Kardashians like we just I need it I need it in my life I need a spinoff of them um but like because after the uh, we get like a little bit of like the backstory because after it's revealed that Toya Todoroki is Dobby or Dobby is Toya Todoroki like he's still alive um and like we see Endeavor like have a moment of clarity and like and like the whole Todoroki family like comes together and Shoto's like I have to be the one to defeat Toya, Dobby, whatever you want to call him, like he and he's like us as a family need to tackle this together though and whatever. Like and then we get a glimpse into like the backstory of the Todoroki family like back to when Endeavor or NG and Ray got together. Like see like cuz it's it hurts too cuz in that moment it's like okay, I mean, granted it's like you're kind of a douche for like forcing well not even forcing because ray well actually you learn like ray agreed to it um she had no problem marrying uh ng and it's like well still like you wanting to enter in a quirk marriage like kind of isn't like what are we like you know like it sucks but like ray entered it willingly in order to like, help her family, but it still sucks that she was put in that position, you know, like, I don't, (sighs) anyway, but, like, in the beginning, though, of their relationship, he didn't seem like a bad guy, you know, other than, like, the fact that he kind of turned her into, like, a baby-making factory, um, well, I mean, after, like, because at first, uh, Toya got to a good age before, um, how many, no, there's, like, a year in between, see, I don't think Fuyumi was made, like, born because of, like, um, Toya being a failure, because I, he would not have been old enough, because Dobby's 24, Fuyumi's 23, so, like, they would have had to, like, had Fuyumi before Toya had his quirk. Because before we even see um, them have, like, that moment of, like, oh, you're a failure. Like, NG having that moment with Toya. Um, I'm getting completely sidetracked. Uh, that's not even what that's supposed to be talking about. But um, that just goes to show you how my brain works. I was supposed to talk about the thing that um, made me cry which was a, a bit later in the backstory, and I just went completely just explaining the entire backstory. That was, like, all just spoilers. I am sorry. I mean, I did give a manga spoiler warning early on, but Jesus, that, I was... Anyway, let me get to the point of why I brought up the Todoroki backstory, but, um... No, so there's a moment in the in the chapter... Where we see NG at, like, peak, just horrible father. Um, And, like, just seeing his kids, Shoto being torn away from his brother and sister crying. And and Fuyumi and 
Natsu are sobbing, but, like, Fuyumi's also, like, holding Natsu in a way that, like, protects her, or protects him, and I don't, there's just so much about that moment that was, like, oh my god, like, I'm gonna cry, like, seeing these kids in this very, like, toxic situation, and, like, I mean, we all knew that Endeavor was a flaming bag of garbage, and that, like, he was abusive in the past and all that, but, like, seeing it, though, like, like, you see it in action, like, it's one thing to hear it, it's another thing to see it, and seeing it, like, and then, to seeing, like, Ray go from, like, this, like, sort of calm, collected person to, like, slowly breaking over time, it's, I don't, there's just so much so much in that and just the the Todoroki family I'm telling you guys like there's just so much there so much material to work with but like I mean it hurts too at the same time to like dig into their past but um their their present like them now and just seeing like I don't know I think it would be funny to see like Shoto and Natsuo like work together to give Endeavor like a whole bunch of crap um for like just being a a, just a bad dad and like not caring for their dad at all but uh and poor Fuyumi having to sit there and like try to keep her family together but um yeah no that's just the just there like the background of like even though we already knew like Shoto did not have a good upbringing um seeing how it affected everybody in the family i guess is like really like makes it real like just how toxic the entire house like household was and not just like the or how he was to his entire family and not just Shoto. Like, it really makes it real for you, I guess. But yeah, so on to this last topic. Um, of um, things that, like, made me cry and get, like, emotional. So... <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like Hawks, like, or some do, some don't. It's very, like, mixed match, especially right now with, like, if you're an anime watcher, you don't know much about Hawks or whatever, and all you see is him (laughs) being, like, kind of a bad guy right now, and, but if you read the manga, like, you know a bit more about him and stuff. And this kind of goes back to this idea. This is like a reoccurring theme now that I'm thinking about it. And within the um, within the show of like just kids not being allowed to be kids and having to deal with things a little too young, um, which I mean is true to life too. Like I any anyway, this isn't meant for me to get personal um anyway so uh with hawks's backstory learning that and seeing that and and just this poor little child who was um not only did he have like a dad who wasn't great in the slightest like we knew his dad was a um well, actually, I guess you don't know if uh, you don't read the manga, but his dad was a villain in the sense that, like, he was a criminal, and criminal equals villain, apparently, in this world, but um, he was a villain, essentially, and he was kind of a douche not kind of he was he was um abusive to like his wife hawks's mom and hawks um and hawks 
who we see uh, admires Endeavor because Endeavor was like one of the only heroes that he ever saw. Like, he's like, heroes, are heroes real? And then he saw Endeavor in action and he's like, so that was like his first realization of like, oh my God, like heroes are real. Like they can save people and essentially like sees him as like a sort of like his light at the end of the tunnel, essentially. And like his story. And so then when his dad gets captured, um, which I think it's Endeavor who actually captures his dad, which again, like his abusive father is captured by this hero so, like, now he sees the source of his pain being, like, he's saved from that. And just, but then his mom isn't that great either and, like, makes him a child, again, a child, provide almost for the both of them. And then the commission, the Hero Safety Commission or whatever, the Public Hero Safety Commission, I think, is what the full thing is come in and like bribe his mom for him and it's like you're treating this child as an object and of course she's gonna agree and so yeah and then hawks essentially is trained from a young age to be the perfect hero and put through all that and now he's like essentially owned by the Public Hero Safety Commission. And just the fact that he he's a bird in a cage, essentially. If you want to use that parallel. That metaphor. Um, he, like, he's a bird in a cage who wants to be set free, but he can't. And I think that's where his, like, mentality of, like, I want to live in a world where heroes don't have to do anything comes from. Is because, like, he... I don't, anyway, but yeah, like, just, just his whole backstory, too, which, again, like, I feel like all these characters have really sad backstories, and I'm just like, is Horikoshi okay? Like, he's the, he's the one making these stories. Has anyone checked on Horikoshi since? <laughs> but yeah, no, so, that kind of wraps up, like, I got sidetracked a lot, which I've I've been saying since the beginning. I'm very scatterbrained, and my train of thought, like, gets sidetracked a lot. Um, and I will, like, have a point where I want to talk about one thing, and then I get, start talking about something else because of that one thing reminds me of it. And then I'm like, wait, that wasn't even the point that I was supposed to be making. And then, like, yeah. Anyway, which we saw a lot during this episode. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially the end of my list, um, of things. I'm sure there's more that, of times that I've cried while watching and reading My Hero Academia, but like, these were the ones that I could think of when I compiled a list of all the times, uh, that I've cried. But yeah, um, I'm sure there are many more tears to come, especially once this next chapter releases, um. And that's, I think, is it for this week. Uh, Again, I'm sorry for, like, audio issues or quality or I don't even know if I'm going to be able to upload this. I'm still trying to figure things out. Uh, Again, I'm not in my apartment where, where my equipment for, like, my normal setup is for these episodes. So I'm having to make do with what I have. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that is all for this week. Hopefully I'll see you guys next week. Peace.